Welcome to Kibbe on Liberty. Today we do something a little bit different. We're talking to Alexander Pisset, and he is the head of the Free Market Institute based in Paris, France. That's right. There are free marketeers in France. We're going to talk about the yellow vest protest, where it went right, where it went wrong. Free speech codes in France, the worst perhaps in the free world. And we're going to talk about the prospects of liberty globally. Check it out. Welcome back to America. Thank you very much. Um, announce, uh, pronounce your name so that I don't butcher it. Alexandre Pesé. Uh, I'm still going to butcher it. Just call it, me Alex. Alex. <laughs> okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call you Alex. And you are the head of a free market activist think tank incubator in France. Exactly. It's a training institute for uh, young conservative and libertarians who want to be uh, educated on ideas and uh, technology in order to be more efficient in their involvement, whether in the media, in civil society, or even in politics. So Americans are watching what's going on in France, France, and we've seen the, the rise of the Yellow Vest movement, which was originally a, a protest against higher gas taxes. But uh, I think, I think they'd first want to know what What's going on in France? Like, is, is liberty a thing in France today? Yes, it is for uh, on many subjects. But talking about the yellow vest, I, it's happened that I attend every event since the first one. It started. And uh, at the beginning, you clearly had a movement of uh, hardworking people who were done with uh, state regulation and taxes. So this movement really rise, uh, start to become big. And then you have the... Um, the leftists, like the black box, start to get in and start to uh, uh, make it uh, very violent. And then you had a second uh, interesting fact that the subjects start to change. It went from no more tax or suppress these taxes to we want fair tax. And you can imagine how the media start to look at the people who say we want fair tax. Yeah. So the originated yellow vest felt like betrayed or uh, slowly being taken over. And um, this violence that, uh, surprisingly, the government let it happen uh, in order to discourage clearly the movement. I saw it firsthand in Paris on Avenue Kleber. One day, for four hours, they were breaking every cars, every shops. Uh, this uh, clearly black box, very equipped guy. Uh, and there was not one single guy being arrested. Huh. And then the president the next day say, oh, it's terrible, this yellow vest movement. We need to be tough with them. And then they start to arrest them, shoot at them. We had one of our students lost an eye in her activist. She has never used violence. So, yeah, yeah that's clearly a threat of freedom, of liberty, in uh, the way uh, we want to defend our um, uh, independence or individual sovereignty. So, so tell me more about, about Black Box, because it sounds a little bit like Antifa. Yes, exactly. It's, it's, it's kind of Black Box, Antifa, it's the same type of movement. This guy arrived, very well-equipped. Um, they have things to uh, fight the tear gas. What a, a classical yellow vest guy doesn't have. Uh, they have the, the, the water to put in your eyes as soon as you get gas. So the technique is one group break the bank or break a car. Then you have more the suburban type of uh, people, uh, people who live in the suburbs, mostly uh, um, criminals who come to steal what is inside. And then the Antifa black box start to burn the thing. So it's very well, uh, very well organized and they're very violent. 
when the yellow vest wanted the police and uh, the firemen to come to stop the fire, I saw firsthand how uh, they could be beaten up by this group that are very well organized suddenly in groups and impress uh, an individual who start to, to stance against this violence and uh, breaking things. That's, that's fascinating because I, I don't know if you know this, but I was one of the original Tea Party organizers and the evolution and devolution of the, of the Tea Party sounds a little bit like this. And in the early days, it was it was it was almost libertarian. It was it was very much about small government. It was all moms and pops and workers just just rising up against uh, Wall Street bailouts and and various things that our government had done. It was a protest against both political parties. It wasn't partisan, and that's devolved today to where. Um, Protests in the street are really dominated by by violence and Antifa. They're professionals. Their their strategy is to is to cause chaos, and it it sounds like the same pattern has has happened in France. It's exactly when I looked at it, I thought, hey, we're gonna have our tea party. And when I see the evolution, I obviously thought of you, yeah. uh, Terry, and and see how uh, effectively was taking over, and how the yellow vest didn't translate it into a a political inf- influential or uh, were able to influence the politics in order to get this tax cut. Uh, so very hard to see that uh, a so civil society movement, people getting organized and being taken over by some very well-organized minorities. Yes. Well, well let's talk about, about what you guys are doing to, to, to take advantage of, of that, that positive populist protest against big government. Um, I... We're, we're zero tolerance for violence, and it, it's consistent with our social philosophy. We believe in cooperation. But what, what are you guys trying to do? Because I know in 2017, you won a prestigious Atlas Network Award for your, your entrepreneurial inc- incubator. You're trying to create more classical liberals in France. Yes, exactly. Yeah, we encourage uh, entrepreneurs um, in the, any involvement, any engagement to create the media, to create a, a non-profit, to create a groups that uh, promote uh, freedom or uh, conservative principle. We're, we're trying to bring together these two sides too that were uh, aside. And I saw firsthand in the US how they could ally uh, on some topics together. I'm talking about libertarian and conservative for freedom of school, for less taxes, less government. And we try uh, to duplicate a little bit this model, adapted to France, obviously. So what's happened today and the challenge we have is what political translation of these movements that clearly is growing against uh, involvement in the state in every uh, of our every type of our life, every place of our lives. Um, and the, the, the kind of failure of the yellow vest is not to be able to translate any, into any political party. Clearly, they were a way of political party. But now, how do we implement politically our principle? I think that's the main challenge we have. The good news is that we had two party uh, kind of duopole that were uh, running France for 40 years. The Republican Party on the center right and the Socialist Party, which is more Social Democrat Party on the center left. And both party in the last three years crashed. Uh, the last European election, the Socialist Party got 6% and the Republican Party get 8.5. Imagine the US, the Republican Democrats tomorrow get 5 and 6. Yeah. The thing is, now we have plenty I, I, of little I, I could part- dream of that, yeah. actually. <laughs> so we're dreaming of it. Yeah. And that's what, for that, we can thank clearly uh, Emmanuel Macron. He has plenty of uh, of default, but has a quality. He was able to check these two parties and, and they will allow us to build something new. Now it's up to us to succeed. Yeah. 
So that that sort of uh, political disruption has to be driven by technology, just like these protests are, just like people f- Googling ideas and, and finding sort of the, the values that we share, even though they don't come from the universities, they don't come from the schools. So you see that sort of left-right libertarian in this country. We have Donald Trump, we have Bernie Sanders, we had the Tea Party. Of course, before that, we had Ron Paul. Mm-hmm. And the, the one thing that, that makes them similar is that they were outsiders. They were raging against the establishment, the two-party duopoly, and all of that. Um, I view that as, as a, just an entrepreneur, entrepreneurial moment for us. Right. Like there's this vacuum and we could fill it with our ideas. Yes, um, that, that the challenge. That wasn't we, a question. Oh, sorry. Way. Yeah, I was wondering, did yeah. I understand yeah, the question? Yeah, what's the point? Yeah, <laughs> I do that, but but feel free to respond if you want. Yeah, um, it's clearly we, we're looking who is going to be the, uh, who are going to be the entrepreneurs. Uh, not that we tend to wait in France for the savior, the guy who's going to save us. Um, but during that time, we got to get ready. Uh, both on IDs and on on uh, people being trained to be able to take a, a leading position, um, so that's what we're trying to to work on. But clearly, yes, the thing is when this two party crash, we're like, it's up to us now to build anything new to succeed. Yeah. It's really a great great opportunity we have in France, and I think what you see in Great Britain, Italy. Uh, I know some of our friends are critical about populist. I think it's a, a very good healthy moment. But can go in two direction, in a bad direction or in good direction. It's up to us to bring you to the, the right direction or to the individual. Yeah. I mean, I would call myself a libertarian populist because populism sort of as an empty vessel just means to be popular. And I would hope that we would want our ideas to be popular. And and there's a, there's a good part of, of who we are when we sort of rage against government control and government oppression and government collusion between business. These are these are all sort of righteous populist anger sorts of issues, but but we also have this this beautiful, peaceful alternative that, that we probably don't talk enough about. Like like the, the, the beautiful things that can happen when people are free to cooperate and create and experiment and pursue their dreams. Um, I feel like that's part of, of the French ethos. I mean that that that, that liberty part of the story yeah it's it's really uh, every country every every people has their contradiction it's one of the big contradictions of the french they both want to be independent to be left alone so there's a left alone coalition they join it but yeah. at the same time they seems to be able to rely on the state on many things to let the state do and grow uh, the way again until a certain point and then they say stop that's why often in french history when they say stop to the state it's become very violent yeah um and maybe Yellow Vest, even if we say together, it's mostly the, the Antifa were violent. We could see the Yellow Vest people being more and more mad about the situation too. Yeah. Um, so what you're talking about, the, 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 the freedom of, um, of uh, speech and the way for French people to be able to say what they want is key. And this recent law we have in France to constrain and condemn you or sue you uh, on, based on what you say or even what you may think uh, it's um, it's uh, both dangerous and it's really contradictory to our uh, French uh, tradition have been to speak loud sometimes to the point that you may think French American we're rude <laughs> or we don't behave well we tend to say too too uh, easily what we think 
Yeah. Um, and we feel that in the US, you don't have all this law, but you have more like a social constraint. I don't know if you would see the same. Like there's a politically correctness that you can't tell what you want. You wouldn't be maybe sued by the state or condemned based on the law like in France. But there's another way to uh, to um, constrain free speech. Yeah, Do you there's, say that? There's... Um it's it's interesting, and I feel like this is a brand new phenomenon. Perhaps perhaps we've imported this from France. the The idea that speech is violence, because the American ethos was always the the First Amendment, uh, left, right, center, communist, capitalist, whatever you were. Um, there was a consensus that free speech, even even bad speech, even um, speech coming from really awful people was something that we, we tolerated and we responded in kind by correcting them, by engaging them, by, by arguing in the public square. That was the American ethos. But, but the new thing seems to reflect, and it's not, of course, just France. I mean, you, you have a lot of speech code emerging uh, just to the north in Canada as well. But I, I remember all the way back to the Charlie Hebdo attacks and, and reading uh, my, my friend Matt Welsh at Reason very much documented that the Charlie Hebdo uh, legal fights that they had been having with the French government long before they were attacked by terrorists, they were, they were being uh, destroyed by, by government speech codes. So this is not a brand new thing for you guys. No, it's true. And the question is where it's coming from. If it's from France or the U.S., or who m became a master at doing it? It's a debate we have with French and American. It seems from the research that it comes from French professors uh, um, that came to the U.S. and developed it in your university, from what I understood. People like Derrida, Foucault, yeah. all these people that we send you and we were glad to get rid of. Uh, you welcomed them maybe too much in the university and, and developed this concept of being offended. So you can be offended on anything. And so you're this, not this may be one case where I don't support free speech or free flow of labor across borders. <laughs> we, we don't need to be importing or exporting bad <laughs> ideas. I agree there with that. Hans Hermann Hoppe uh, wrote about that. Uh, Libertarians don't tend to say it's open border and anybody can come. They must be agreeing on who, so who is coming. Yeah, no, no French socialists. That's, yeah. <laughs> that's where I draw the line. But, I think that's safe. But let's, let, I mean, let's talk about speech codes because it, it does matter to us now. And I think, I think uh, wherever it originated, this, this idea of sort of uh, legislating and codifying what you can and can't say is probably the most dangerous idea I've ever heard um, because this, of course, would be a tool for tyrants and, and, and speech codes are, in fact, part of every totalitarian regime. But Mark Zuckerberg, the, the founder and CEO of Facebook, about three months ago, came out and, and begged to be regulated by our federal government. And he cited the French model as, as sort of the, the ideal type of, of how you would do that. Tell, tell me, wh what is the French model today? And I, I know you oppose it, but what, what does the French government do if you say certain things? Yes, uh, just pass a law few days ago, actually. Um, uh, so that's when you write something on the Internet or say something, the no, it's not the government who's going to tell you to take it out. It's a company, Facebook or Twitter, will have to uh, suppress this uh, offending or, or violent uh, uh, words in the next 24 hours. Wow. Uh, so, yes, it's really interesting. We went to a conference recently. We heard uh, Tucker Carlson give a speech about how big business is threatening our liberty, our freedom. 
And it's really the impression we have and it's really resonant to us French people that this idea of these companies were supposed to be our allies seems to be the most oppressive yeah. uh, tools today uh, against our freedoms. You know, it's it's funny because uh, what uh, my my read on what Mark Zuckerberg is trying to accomplish, he likes the fact that the government has made it a law because, first of all, he can blame the government for what they're doing here anyway. And, and second of all, imagine a startup competitor to Facebook trying to comply by policing millions and millions, and I don't know how many millions of posts there are uh, globally on Facebook every day, but imagine being a startup and, and having 24 hours to make sure that whatever the rules are, every single person that's participating is complying. It's impossible. Mm -hmm. It is completely impossible, so it's a barrier to entry. And, and my response to Tucker Carlson, of course, is that um, the, the reason that we don't trust big business is because the businesses that are effectively monopolies have colluded with government. And the only way to protect a monopoly is to legislate it into permanent existence. And, and I, I think that's what Facebook is trying to do. Uh, I disagree with Carlson. I think, it, I think it's a mistake to try to regulate Facebook because that means that the next entrepreneur that comes along with a better idea and a better platform will not survive. Yeah, we recognize crony capitalism here, uh, clearly. But want to give you another example of ironical, uh, the irony of history that happened to France. Is we, uh, we kind of fight Soviet Union for a long time as an example of countries who don't live, uh, uh, let freedom of speech uh, exist. And today, the thing is, when your video is not uh, accepted or cut off from YouTube, where do you go? You put on a Russian platform called uh, Rich YouTube. Um, so it's really the irony of the of the history, you would say, yeah. uh, on, on that. It's interesting that we try to find uh, something to get it out of YouTube, Facebook, but it's still really at the beginning of it. Well, let, let's talk about strategy as, as a way to sort of wrap this up because you've brought your whole team. We, we can't see them, but your whole team is here. And uh, you, you're interested in starting a podcast. And do, do you already do video production and things like that? Um, in our network, there's some uh, people doing some video projects on YouTube, but... Um, we noticed that the podcast uh, really exploded in the U.S. for three, four years, and it's starting in France. And we can see our uh, um, the, the the leftist starts very there. Many of the uh, public uh, radio journalists uh, gave up their job in order to concentrate on podcast. And so, if yeah. we don't go quick, being on there, yeah. uh, we may uh, see a kind of another monopoly of the of the less we're going to try to avoid to yeah. happen in offering diversity of uh, thought. Podcasts seem to be uh, far less regulated. I mean, there's there's all sorts of manipulation on Facebook now, and we've we've mm -hmm. evolved from Facebook to YouTube, and our audience is young people, and young people are abandoning Facebook and 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 migrating to YouTube, in part because they can they can seek out the content they want instead of being manipulated and and told what to think. I think I think there's a very libertarian ethos in young people in that sense, uh, but podcast is still the wild west you're you're allowed to speak your ideas and and a lot of young people are saying you know what uh i'm going to stop listening just to my marxist professors and curate ideas and and curriculum even from from podcasts so i feel like there's always a way to reach people in a, in a radically democratized way that that just wasn't there five years ago that's true that's great to to hear and to see that's happening here. And so we'll try to do that too there. 
And, and by the way, this is not an American thing. This is a global thing. Right. Technology has been most liberating to uh, young people across the world where these ideas would never, ever be spoken on TV or by politicians or by professors. So the, so the question is, and I don't know what the answer is exactly, but the question is, how do, we, how do we organize them? How do we reach them? How do we educate them? How do we find the entrepreneurs that, that will change the world? The thing is, we do our training institute in doing that. We try to reach them out of the university. There are so many students from the big school, like the French Ivy schools, now come to our training institute because they're tired to hear the thing that you have to repeat and write it in your copies. And and so you can see, like you say, yes, a liberty and ethos among the youngs to, to get out of what the mainstream. The thing is, uh, the main institution uh, for spreading uh, the monopoly of thought, of socialist thought mostly, uh, are really uh, delegitimized, whether university or journalism. Yeah. Today there's an institution, the, the less best rated in France, clearly, uh, like there's no more trust or respect or for this institution that are seen as they are, a monopoly of ideology called uh, tools. What explain um, some of the words that work um, and, and give me the, the translation, but in, in our country, for instance, uh, capitalism is not a particularly cool word to use. Um, young people, for the very first time in American history, are now saying at a slight margin they prefer socialism to capitalism. Uh, interestingly enough, entrepreneur, a French word, is the coolest word in, amongst young people because they like entrepreneurship. They like the fact that they could they could start their own business, that they could create something and do something for themselves. But I, I'm assuming capitalism is not a particularly effective word to use in France. No, it's not. Capitalism. It's a bad word. Yeah. <laughs> Free market, uh, even liberalism in a, in a classical sense uh, are not uh, words you can use or even known. The, 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 the part of economics in our political debate is not as strong in the U.S. It's very low. The key uh, uh, subject today, uh, to underline that, is that 15 years ago, the main subject will have been economics between the students, or they would agree mostly on, on economics, on a more free market economy. Today, uh, after 15 years, most of the students uh, will talk about the question of immigration and identity. So the same students really change their focus on the question because feel like some cultural migration w are becoming a, a threat to, uh, to our freedom. Let's talk frankly, the debate about the Islamization of France, the question of, of uh, the veil, for example, in, in the U.S., it's a question of uh, um, freedom to, for, to be dressed. You know, it's a religious freedom to wear a veil. In France, uh, more and more area, it's more an oppressive tool that if as a woman you don't wear it, you're not respected. You can really have problems. So many women, even non-Muslim, start to wear it in order to be left alone. So you can see how some subject like capitalism, free market economy, uh, really went low in the subject people talk about, even know about it. Yeah. So it gives an empty a vacuum for place for socialism ideas. But at the same time, in France, the socialist idea was already there for a while. But the question of identity, uh, multiculturalism, uh, is uh, is a very strong debate there. Yeah. So so identity and even civil liberties. Yes. Um, yes. Link with civil liberties. So what what's the good news? Uh, Macron, I know he's has passed some tax reforms and and there are at least some things that are headed in the right direction. What from your perspective, what is France doing right today? 
the good things on, on on Macron is that he destroyed the two monopoly party, the duopol. Uh, that that's what I told you earlier. It's really good news. After him, he brings this more new entrepreneur spirit, like a guy of a generation of startup. Um, but politically, what he did concretely, I would I just asked before the show to uh, our fellows who were there. No one can quote and tell you one measure that he passed that was really going into our direction. Not he passed or so other laws that going against so much, but he do little little reform. There's not much to do. The the good thing that's happening if you look at the the uh, at France, uh, you have some deep movement happening. Like for example, on the freedom of school, you have a lot of school being created uh, every year. Uh, the state had kind of almost a monopoly on the education in France. But the growing uh, number of really private independent school uh, is spreading through the country. That's a good sign where people start to say, hey, I want to take care of myself of the way I've educated my kids. And that you can see uh, on, also, uh, on the media side, how people start to create their own media, like we say the podcast, but on, on internet and things like that, people start to go to their own media um, and that's the, the the good things. Uh, politically, uh, we can't expect with the majority in power much, but we're preparing for the next uh, election not to miss uh, the call uh, in the rebuilding um, kind of uh, French uh, freedom conservative uh, movement uh, um, implemented good things there. Good. Well, let's let's <laughs> figure out ways that we can collaborate and, and grow the movement all across the world. Wish pleasure and thank you very much for uh, this exchange together. Yeah, thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Kibbe on Liberty. Be sure to subscribe and rate the podcast. Your ratings will help us reach even more people with our mostly honest conversations with mostly interesting people.